Hello and welcome to Pranusian Co. Uh, today we have a very special guest, Kate Margulies, um, and we're going to be talking a bit about design systems, a bit about you know uh, professional career journeys, and uh, yeah, hope you enjoy. Thanks for coming on, Kate. Thanks for having me. Um, so, if we want to start with you telling us a little bit about your background and like what what you how you've kind of got to where you are today, and and yeah. Cool, yeah. So, uh, yeah, Kate, a product designer. I, I call myself end-to-end product designer, um, okay. and, and I'll explain why, uh, what my ends look like. Um, yeah. But, but, yeah, basically started in very traditional advertising space as a graphic designer, kind of the arse end of the junior design world, you know, artworking <laughs> and being a busboy, uh, supposedly, but learn yeah. uh, a lot from... Um, from my then head of design, um, who constantly used to turn my work away, but but as uh, you know, up until this point now has made me OCD and pixel perfect. So I've got a lot <laughs> to thank her. I'm sure a lot of people I work with won't thank her, but um, I thank her. <laughs> um, and and yeah, God, that was a, a long time ago. That that role fell to uh, the recession. Sadly, the advertising company that I was working for folded a lot of their clients were like travel and, and tourism and, and leisure and stuff like that so obviously with the recession yeah most of those things tend to tend to suffer um and so i went off into the world of um of contracting and, and freelance design it was a very um uh, scary space for me to go in yeah. having only just been in graphic design what well, i think i was not even two years uh, basically but um thanks to some some really great friends who trusted me and saw some talent I got um some some great work and I was working for channel four and I was doing stuff for BMW and mini I got very quite heavily into automotive yeah um and yeah I was just just poodling along um and then I ended up working um for a startup it was three of us it was two tech guys and, and myself basically they were building these incredible digital products and um, needed a designer to kind of put like what it looked like um, out there. And um, so, yeah, so then kind of entered my world of like very heavy UX UI design. So I managed to bring what I'd learned from graphic design and brand specifically then into that role and then worked my way up and became creative director there, working with clients like Jaguar Land Rover and Adobe and Citibank and Commerce Bank and a whole bunch of other stuff, which was really incredible experience. Um, and then, yeah, then I decided to leave again and then went back into to kind of contracting. And since then, have just, you know, been all over the place, worked, worked all over the globe, I would say predominantly doing product design. Um, so when I say, when I'm going back to what I was saying about being an end-to-end designer, for me, the start begins with brand. And we can talk about that when we start digging into design system stuff. But, you know, brand is so important for me. That is where it starts. And then the end being sort of, um, you know, handing off with with developers and, and things like that. So, yeah, that's what I do day to day. That's what I've been doing the last, I'm going to say, 18 years now. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. No, it doesn't. <laughs> um, what was I going to say? Yeah, so you, you kind of jumped into like freelance and contracting, like really like at the beginning of your journey, really. Um, and I guess 
that that sort of situation is scary for anyone isn't it like moving from having like a, a nine to five maybe you know um company that's like gives you a stable income and like moving to that is you know incredibly scary like what what sort of advice do you give to people who maybe want to do that but they're a bit scared about you know not finding any work or you know, that sort of thing that's a really that's a really good question and it's one that I get asked a lot and I think it's a difficult one to answer because I think it really depends on who you are as a person yeah. and how you see yourself as a as a bit of a designer I think no one no one can sit in a design seat and say they've never bullshit because I've 100% done that I've definitely yeah. oversold myself in some spaces but what that's done is pushed me to then go oh, oh shit I've, I've said I can do this I'm not great at it but I'll I'll yeah. expand my my skill set around it so that I can or I'll learn on the job yeah. and I think you know I, I was working with a with a with another designer at my a previous company and I just convinced her to go freelance you know and she said yeah. well you know how do I go how do I do this and I said look there are some fundamentals that you need to understand from a business perspective that will set you up for success and once you've got your head wrapped around that and you mm -hmm. then know how to promote yourself using you know, a website or a really good mm. portfolio or, you know, cover letters to potential, you know, clients, um, you know, and, and just the way you communicate with people. I said, if you can get mm. all of that down, I said, you've got, you'll have no problem. And and that's, yeah. and that is basically the advice that I tell most people is that if you believe in yourself and, and you know that you can offer somebody something that they want, do it, go yeah. for it. Because the, the trade-off is, 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 um, I mean, obviously, financially, the trade-off can be yeah. incredible. The, the other side of it is, is that there is no work and things dry up and you're counting all the pennies, right? But yeah. it ebbs and flows in my career. I've been very lucky to be able to ride a, a wave of, you know, decent success. And I've had lots of great repeat clients who I've had now nearly for 10 years who constantly come Amazing. back to me and are still asking me for work. And I think... It's not just about being a great designer or being a good communicator. It's also about being able to formulate really good relationships and having yeah. this acumen to know how to, uh, like, upsell, right? So, you you know, being able to understand that a client might need a website, but they also might need some brand work or a design system or something else so that they understand that, you know, their product or their whatever it is that, that you know, their marketing suite is better. So it's a it's, it's difficult um and it's not for everybody 100 percent. you know that there are yeah. definitely people who like that security there's definitely that anxiety side of things where you're like you know what what if it all stops next week what am i going to do but you you, you know yeah. if you're clever you plan for for those situations and and yeah the upside is it's, it's exhilarating you never know what you're going to be working on from one day to the next yeah definitely and like I suppose when you're working for yourself as well you kind of need to have a little bit of skillage in all the areas so you, like you say like your sales your marketing how you brand yourself and all that stuff and then obviously the, the creative talent you know like so actually being able to do the work so it's like a real round table isn't it I think 100 um yeah amazing love that um Christine do you have a question no, I agree with everything that Kate said. And also the conversation that I had yesterday was kind of also uh, reflected some of the things that Kate said. So that's why I'm smiling here like an idiot. Amazing. <laughs> I love that so much. 
<laughs> I'm like, yep, yep, the universe is really trying to communicate with you there. <laughs> um no that's really cool um let's have a look at the questions oh yeah we have a Um, questions for you kate kate tell people about the importance of design system and how it benefits the um yeah ROI because I think I've spoken to a few people like when I had job interviews and some people are very oblivious about what a design system is and they also like for when I was working at uh, user zoom there's a lot of people in the industry like because I obviously reach out to enterprise level companies that have kind of research in a very infancy and the same goes for design systems and they're like yeah we know we should have it but at the same time we don't and I'm like well just for the sake of like having like code already tested and already there so the developers don't have to keep going over it when you expand in teams like at least if not for that so can you explain from your experience or maybe like give an example how it benefited why it's important and also how it helps uh, to scale businesses and what were the important things to consider okay so the first <laughs> thing i th- is, do you know what? this is such a big topic at the moment there are lots of people talking about do we do we implement a design system do we invest in a design system so for me the the biggest kind of conversation around here is that Investing in a design system, you won't always see your return on investment straight away, but in the long run, 100%. Initially, I think to companies who are umming and ahhing about whether or not they should start a design system is usually around the fact that there is an upfront cost in time, effort and energy to, to kind of to lay it out. For me, the most important reason why a company should invest in a design system is down to efficiency, because at the end of the day, you have an entire suite of patterns and components and atoms and all of these various things that basically dictate not only consistency in brand, but also allow you to onboard very seamlessly other designers into that branding and also then engineers as well. You know, like you just said, they can come in, the code is tested, it's it's solid, they can start building straight away. Um, you know, a friend of mine who's, who's a design system specialist specifically, um, who implemented the design system at the last place that, that I was working at third for, you know, she literally just put a video together last week and she was, we were talking about it where she filmed side by side using the design system and then designing from scratch. And it was a very simple form, but even designing from scratch from human error, she still made some inconsistent brand decisions, right? Up against the clock. The design system took a a minute to put this tiny form together, actually designing it from scratch and applying styles took five and a half minutes. Now, we talk about minutes, right? And we're talking about a tiny form, but when you start multiplying that across lots of different functionality and, Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, even from an engineering side, and I'm literally just talking about from a design side right now, that time adds up massively, you know, and and you go from being able to, you know, design a a new piece of functionality using a design system in maybe a day or two days, depending on its complication compared to, you know, a week of of being sat in the design studio. And the same for when it comes to tech as well, you know, and they Mm -hmm. just have to copy what it is. And I think, where I've seen a design system work the best is in teams where, well, I'd say more agile teams, when you've got such a small design and engineering team, it, it works It works well, but obviously not. you're not going to see it, its impact as much as you would if there was a much bigger engineering and design team. Um, and, and for me, the most important thing is 
it breeds consistency, right? Like I think in this day and age as well, because we're so used to using digital products, we all know when something's not right. When we look at something and we're like, oh, that logo looks squished or that button didn't have those round corners in the last page that I was in. Or why is that text now bold? And not? And those things actually subconsciously start triggering you to think, oh, do I actually trust this company? Mm. Do, do I believe in their brand? Because if they can't get this button right, then if I'm going to hand over payment information or, you know, very personal details that I have, uh, you know, you start to think, mm. oh, actually, maybe this isn't something I want. And I've seen that happen so so many times across so many different companies. And, and the easy solve is to build a design system, right? If you, you've, yeah. you've done all of this work on your brand, why not make it consistent across absolutely every single, you know, digital touch point that you have? And from being able to do that, you can iterate much quickly. So I think, so even though the investment the point I'm trying to make is that even though the investment initially up front is, is heavy and doesn't feel like there's a return on it, in the end, in the long run, once you stick with it, absolutely, you start seeing some incredible results. Do you think it's a case yeah, of the definitely. fact that people don't allocate budget because it's the effects of it are misunderstood? 100%. Like, research. 100%. Same with user research, yeah. They don't... I, I think... I, I think... And this is a personal opinion, but I think sometimes being a scrappy startup has bred some really bad habits around design and research, which is which is I've seen it a couple of times. I see it a lot more at the moment when there's not a lot of funds or money is we'll cut that because we can do it in house or we can just do it without really understanding it or knowing it without having to get the specialist in or having to pay the specialist to actually do the and put the implement the process and do the process properly and then what you end up getting is really wish, wishy-washy qualitative or quantitative data which has a negative impact on your product so you know it, it's it's a funny one and i think you can't in many companies and, and tried to rationalize and KPI and OKR and metric putting a design system together. And it's almost impossible. Um, you kind of have to have had experience seeing it work and in, in a big company or understanding when it's not in its infancy and it's mature to really mm -hmm. see like, like why it's worth investing in it. You mentioned like a really interesting point there about like the it, like a design system almost has like a it has a psychological effect on your users like it's a really like there's so many points that maybe people are missing that are actually like deeply affecting their like like their revenue or you know like their users their brand like their brand awareness and things like that and just the general uh general use essentially of your product which is really interesting yeah i think i think consistency in experience is has no excuse not for it not to be there anymore do you know what i mean yeah definitely and i suppose maybe for our users that i'm um, not users sorry listeners who um <laughs> um maybe for our use uh, listeners who uh maybe haven't um haven't don't really have an idea of what a design system is what would you say is in like layman's terms um I, I would call it an arsenal of um of components and when i say components i mean things like buttons and yeah. input 
builds and styles and colors that mm. are accessible by I'm going to say all teams because I don't think the design system is completely it's not just for designers and, and engineers it's also for product man managers and researchers and various other stakeholders and c-suite um mm. to, to basically tap into and explore and review and you know it helps communicate with with other people so i'm going to say it it's a it's a tool for everyone uh, yeah. to use um you know when when you've got a digital product and you're looking to build out a new functionality really it, it's it's a it's like a pick and mix just think think of it as a, a giant puzzle um yeah that's how i would see it amazing i love that i love that explanation um Let's have a look. Would you would you say that it's something that you we should uh, a company should do right at the beginning, even though it's you know as you've mentioned before, it's quite an expense, but it's definitely something that maybe should be done at the beginning. My thought process is it should be done at the beginning because then you you have something to follow all the way through scalability. Hundred percent, and I I always say that it's important right right in the beginning to start doing something like that. I think. The problem is, is, is again, it's the fine, it's the financial side of things, right? But yeah. if you understand that implementing a design system at a much, much smaller scale will cost you far less than if you try and then do it a year, two years down the line, when you're then having to not only build the design system but also like retrofit the design system, yes, that's it, it doesn't. That's when I think it doesn't work, right? Because then when you're in your infancy in a company and there's you know four or five of you it's much easier to sell in a design system benefit than it is to maybe sell it into 70 people right and onboard 70 people in understanding the processes around a design system and why it's beneficial i think it's much easier to onboard people into a company and be like we have a design system rather than we're in the middle of it or we haven't thought about one yet yeah. um and i've definitely seen implementing a design system where a company is much much further down the line be a much heavier lift than than say if you know in it in a company's infancy so i would always always say do it right at the beginning yeah i agree i'm glad that you agree <laughs> uh yeah that was me um let me have a look let's have another question so let's uh, yeah so um what sort of like I'm kind of moving moving forward a little bit um but um what sort of uh, specific tools do you have you used over the years and what which ones would you say are the best technologies for a team to use for a design system management I'm laughing because this is such a controversial question, right? Like, especially for for a designer and any any designer that's listening right now. Like, I'll just put it out there. I think you're either in Team Sketch or you're like in in Figma Camp, right? Oh, and I think yeah. this, is, this is a bit of a a hot topic right now. So I'm not gonna tell you I lean to either one of them. I've used I've used both, um, uh, and both have their benefits of implementing. A design system um, successfully, definitely. But for me, I think the best design system tool I've used is a tool called Abstract. It doesn't only mm -hmm. really house um, a design system. It's also an incredibly good versioning tool. And actually, when when you 
start implementing a design system and the governance that then goes around maintaining that design system and, and building on it and, and onboarding other people around it. Having a versioning tool or a tool where multiple people can commit to that uh, design system is mm. is super important. So my, my, my tool of choice is either uh, Sketch or uh, Figma, Zeppelin, uh, because that's okay. got an incredible, uh, um, I feel like I'm plugging uh, these software now, but I'm not. Um, <laughs> I just caveat, they're not paying me. Um, <laughs> yeah, Zeppelin. Not yet. <laughs> <laughs> not yet. Yeah, Zeppelin, maybe. Uh, <laughs> whilst they're listening, uh, cough up, please. Um, <laughs> uh, Zeppelin's got a great design system capability. And, and from an engineering perspective as well, uh, there's lots of tools that, that engineers can plug in as, into, like Storybook which is a very popular engineering mm-hmm. kind of, um, um, design system tool um, for consistency as well. So there, there's yeah. that kind of handoff. Yeah, so Sketch, Figma, Zeppelin, and Abstract is nice. my, my little suite. I love that. Good, good few programs there to go at. Get bored awesome. of one, you can just use the other. Exactly. Variety, spice <laughs> of life. <laughs> yes. Um, what else have we got? Um, so, okay. Um, can you talk about a project that, um, where your design system has had a significant impact on a user experience? It's quite a long question. That is, I guess, and it's quite a difficult question for me, given that most of my work is contract based because, um, my, a lot more recently, a lot of my roles tend to be to go in to set one up and then piss off. So oh, nice. I never actually see the full impact of, of setting anything, you know. Oh, uh, yeah. So maybe not the best question. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to, I'm trying to write my phone and be like, I haven't sat Okay, yeah. so yeah, all of them, all of them. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, just say all of them, you know. Yeah, I can tell you when I've, I've worked somewhere where I've used their design system that they've set up to absolutely you know, Ooh, make That's a good question. Okay, so um, what's, have you ever gone in and looked at someone's design system and then, you know, tarted it up for them? And then what's, like, what's the most common problems with, with, design, with like, people who have set up their own design system but haven't, that's you know? A, that's a good question. Yeah. The, the most common problem around design systems is governance, 100%. Um, if okay. you don't put that governance in place when you're building the design system, suddenly then when you've got, especially like myself, when you've got contractors coming in who've got a very particular way of either using a design system or building a design system, then airing that if if that if those rules aren't in place at the beginning then i'm going to go and do my own thing the way that i like doing it right yeah i don't think a lot of people set up design systems with governance in mind and that to me seems to be design systems weakest link right definitely how would you how do you like enforce the the like the the governance how do you ensure that everyone's following it I with a, with a, a lead designer who is mm-hmm. solely responsible for the design system. Okay. So I mm-hmm. I always I whenever I build a team out, I always find somebody who can be the design system champion. And that person is ultimately responsible 
for signing off anything that goes in comes in and out of the design system because not not only does that help with quality assurance but obviously consistency and communication whether that's to other stakeholders or engineers or developers that they're that they're working with or just other designers as well yeah. i think um so yeah that's important for me is to always find the the one person i think i get a bit scared when i go in somewhere and they're like oh we all own the design system and i'm like <laughs> it, that's a very, yeah i mean too many cooks in the kitchen there at that point aren't you exactly exactly so i think having having a, a very strict set of rules that somebody owns that, that that then you know guides everything it's a bit like you know it's a gatekeeper really um yeah no different to having a brand guardian you know somebody who's responsible from a from a graphic design perspective of owning the brand and the tone and and you know marketing and all of that those sort of stuff and it's important also for me to see how uh, marketing designers or graphic designers I think I'd be shot if actually if I referred to them as marketing designers I know many designers <laughs> be saying that but anyway designers who work in marketing and product designers there's a there's a thread that joins the two of those two together and they need to be talking to each other in order to make sure that the design system and the yeah. brand are on the same level it's kind of like you you still got a real big sense of like stakeholder management you know in terms of like speaking to people making sure they're following the rules etc and yeah. understanding the 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 outset essentially i think yeah absolutely yeah um what was i going to say oh so you mentioned you know hiring for teams and stuff obviously you're looking for a very specific maybe it's not even that specific but like how do you choose people to to join your team um what's like the qualities that you're looking for but i guess you sort of explained it, but if you just like, yeah, bullet point. Can, <laughs> can you just can you just explain it a little bit more for me? Yeah. I'm struggling to understand. Okay, so I think it really depends on the company that I'm hiring for. Uh, I, I take a bit of a weird approach because. Hey, do you mean? tell me you don't hire for yourself and your own ego but you're actually thinking about the company <laughs> wow i mean i don't know what designers you're talking to that do that but, uh... i'll tell you oh, when she, not she, she speaks yeah yeah she she she, she yeah, speaks yeah. to all the designers yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. um i think yeah so for me it depends on on um on the company but also actually it depends a lot on the design culture like there is definitely a micro culture in the design team i'm sure you probably get it you know regardless of what team but i can only talk to obviously from a design and research perspective mm. it, it designers are, designers and researchers especially are so uh, just collaborative by nature right we don't we don't work mm. in silos that we hate well all the designers i've ever worked with hate that um and if I do come across a, a designer that works in silo, I tend to run in the opposite direction. But, you know, it's so important that there's a culture of um, honesty and um, communication and collaboration in mm. order to create a really successful design team. Because these people need to stand there. Not only do they need to fight their corner for educating the, the wider business on design and its importance from a user experience perspective from a design system you know perspective but they also need to be able to champion each other internally as well and help out when 
you're in the weeds, right? And, mm. and designers be able to understand each other and what they're doing for each other to be able to hop in and out. Um, you know, I, I see it all the time when designers are assigned to specific squads, for example, and if they end up working in silo and there isn't that sort of um, design camaraderie and openness mm. around what work you're doing, then they can't help each other. You know, and I, and I think it's yeah. re- that's a real dangerous ground that people tend to, to go in. So when I hire, it's really important that I hire people who are super collaborative and very honest and open, um, maybe to a fault. That's definitely me. I am I am probably too honest sometimes. Um, my other half says she married blunt, uh, but, you know, it's a, I think it's a good thing. Um, yeah. Very like you know, black and white. And I think some boundary setting as well. So it, it's quite difficult because then you want to apply that to what the, the rest of the culture is for the rest of the company. And mm. that sometimes that sometimes clashes. You can get a very like stiff upper lip buttoned corporate company who are not really collaborative or communicative and they completely work in silo. And then you bring these bunch of people in who are the complete opposite and it's quite jarring. So I think mm. it, it's really difficult to hire designers and and then the other thing is is that i always look for style because there are certain things when it comes to ux ui that you can teach but you can't teach an eye right like when somebody's got an eye for design or an eye for detail or an eye for creativity and i think there are lots of people who are super super creative but feel like they can't design. And it's just about changing the way you, your perspective or the way you look as a creative person into that kind of design side of things. So for me, like, you know, and I'm, I'm not shocked that the whole, and this is opening up a whole nother can of worms, but <laughs> the UX UI thing has been split out, right? Now you get UX designers and you get UI designers. I don't understand yeah. that, right? Because you are, be a UI designer without understanding UX and you can't be a UX designer without understanding UI so mm-hmm. that that split to me is 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 a bit of a weird one but you'll find that most UI designers can UX if they're taught yeah you can't te- but you can't teach a UXer who's not interested in design how to to then follow through into the UI oh my so God. I'm going to get spanked from saying something like that. No, there's somebody on LinkedIn. I'm trying to find They literally wrote a post about this and they were talking about old school. His name is Dr. Nick Fine. He's okay. also very blunt and I obviously enjoy his post because he just says it how it is. And he gives like like a very doctoral like answers in the comments to his like, you know, to people's like debates. And I said, yes, well done for saying that. <laughs> <laughs> and he wrote yes. the whole the same like he wrote like he wrote a post about it. I'll send it to you after this. It was really amazing. Amazing. Please send it to me. Yeah. I really love to meet somebody who else who feels like they're in my camp. And I'm not offending any anybody just to caveat what it is that I'm saying. Because I've I've worked with some incredible UX designers who don't design. And I've met some mm. amazing UIers who are not interested in UX, but you know. For me, I think an all-round, an all-rounded team is, is is really important. And I've obviously come from a, you know, I've obviously gone on a journey where I didn't start in product design or, or digital design. I started in, in graphic design. And I think 
I think I'm privileged actually to have been able to have gone on that journey because I understand mm-hmm. brand more than maybe another designer that's a product specific product designer that's just come out of university and wants to be a product designer. They, you know, they haven't got those foundations that were literally walloped into me, um, you know, by my <laughs> first ever head of design. Um, mm-hmm. So I feel like there's a lack of really like good quality considered design out there i think yeah people are very quick to jump on trends and 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 stuff like that rather than make their own trends and i think that just comes from being so new into product design when you say good design Mm -hmm. do you mean um do you mean a lot of people focus on outcome rather than actual output and actually realizing how Mm -hmm. it fits into the bigger picture and how that helps yeah yeah absolutely they just want to know that they're designing the the digital product right they don't think about what does the marketing material look like or what where's the brand going or like Mm -hmm. what's the company's mission and how does the brand fit with that and how can i utilize what's going on in the brand and the tone of voice and bring that into the digital experience Um, 100% would agree with that amazing Interesting. Um, what was my, have you got another question? Uh, Christine's ah. our brand queen. You see, yeah, she she's got a she's got yeah she's got right. A, okay, um, it's not question. It's funny, right? So I'm looking for that post, but I came across a different post by Doctor Nick Fine, <laughs> and you eventually wrote this thing. He was like, you know, thinking about UX maturity gap, and he's like, how to spot a UX cowboy. So I, I want to find. It's funny. See if you agree. So he's like, go straight to wireframing. He's like, one of the main purposes of UX is to convert insight into solution. If you're going straight to wireframe, you go, you're doing UI, not UX. Good UX uses research to help inform solution. Cowboy UX doesn't bother. Hundred percent. Hundred percent agree. <laughs> What's your? That. What, That's what, what, I need. I need. I need this I, guy I, to do I, my like, best. Person, thing. Number three, overconfidence. Confidence is usually a good thing, but overconfidence is a dangerous trait for a UXer. Cowboy UX can covers for inexperience with overconfidence and claims to know everything without demonstrating it. Good UX knows when to say, I don't know, let's test it. <laughs> I have come across, if that's what we're coining it now as cowboy, yep. I've come across so many cowboy. This like, and it happens a lot, I feel like, in UX, UI design, like, so many people overcompensate and have so much audacity when they when they present their work and it's grounded in absolutely nothing you know and they make these bold <laughs> these bold claims as to why they're you know putting a four pixel radius on a on a button because it's it's more user friendly yeah. are you fucking kidding me like <laughs> most people don't even recognize a four pixel radius on a button like, what do you mean it's more, have you tested it? Have you tested this button? Most people will tell you, they can't tell the difference. Yeah. So yeah, that's just one example of many. <laughs> I love that, that was a great, yeah, that was a great example. <laughs> that, was a, that was a rant. I feel like yeah, 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 but, but I, get, I get where his frustration has come because he's probably, not had two different experiences to what I've had, you know, industry wise. And you do, you get, you get really frustrated when you start to like, you know, take a top down view on how people behave and react and implement processes. And 
you know, when you start skipping steps. That's where your problems happen. <laughs> right, Emily, your question next. <clears throat> Let's move yeah. forward. What? We're moving forward. Are We're you ready for this? Get, get ready. Instead of, you know, cycling back. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. We use that technology all the time in the household because it's just funny. <laughs> we just use all the tech lingo in the household. We'll circle back to that one later. Um, yeah. Do you, do you know the term uh, a, a, uni, a unicorn? So it's like a mix between UX and UI. Yeah. That that seems to be a commonplace um, name, but the role used to be combined, right? They used to do those two things together. But then now it's like more of like a off kilter thing. You know, like it's a little bit special that you you do both at the same time. Which is just yeah. strange. I don't know if that's really a question, to be honest, but I just thought no, that's an interesting point. It is, yeah. I think I think it is. And I, I hear so many times when I'm in interviews, oh, we're looking for a unicorn. We're looking for somebody like you, you know, who does everything. Yeah. And I think if you're interested in the startup space, which I love, right? I yeah. love rolling my sleeves up and getting filthy in all the different aspects of, of design like that to me is that to me is exciting i love yeah. it just as much as doing the hands-off stuff and the building the teams and putting teams together and working with you know uh heads of product i mean for example i know you had gary on a couple of weeks ago so he's yeah. like we, I, we used to work together batman and robin him and i absolutely loved putting the whole team the product team together and how kind of design and product work you know, works. But having said that, so I love both those things. But I think, yeah, I don't think us. I really, I'm coining myself as a unicorn now. But the point <laughs> is, I, I we we are rare. I don't think yeah. there are. You know, and I think you've got to just look at like university courses to see that there isn't a whole. Hey, we're going to teach you brand UX UI. Yeah. You know, there isn't one there isn't a course that does that you know yeah um, that's that's experience i think do you think um yeah well you kind of i think you are right you can only really get that sort of status from experience like there there's you're never going to be able to learn even if you went to like six university courses i don't think you'll ever be able to learn what you would learn in on the job you know like cause you just don't get that exposure to like the actual environment no and I, I I absolutely agree with that from a point where I uh when I did when I went to university and I did my degree I worked as a designer in tandem with with my degree and I'm so glad that I I did that and if there's anyone that's listening right now that's at university doing design degree get out there and start freelancing even if it's pro bono you make absolutely fucking nothing from doing it get the industry experience because what kids are being taught at kids what people are being taught taught at university it's not real life so when you come out of those three years of doing design and you've got these you know briefs that you're given at university where they're like perfectly quaffed and you've got all the information <laughs> It's not realistic. It's not. It's not real. So you ha you get these designers that are c coming out of university, and I've seen it with with kind of interns and stuff. And they're like, "Okay, but where's my brief?" And I'm like, "No, no, no. That is your brief. Mm -hmm. I don't have anything else to give you. So you need yeah. to work out, or you need to gain, you know, some kind of skill set to start asking." 
better questions to get the information that you need. And I, I, I learned that very quickly while I was at uni and I was doing all my project work and I was doing all of this, all of my actual work outside. It meant that when I then came to graduate, not only did I have a portfolio that didn't look like anybody else's because it had, it didn't have the same work in there. Mm. I also had an understanding of how it actually works in the real world. So when I got into my first job, I could hit the ground running because I'd already developed that acumen for asking the right questions. Mm. Um, yeah, I, don't, I think I, that's that's such a good thing to do. That's like the smartest thing to do at uni. I did not do that. I also went to art school though. It's a little bit so, different. Yeah, I, it's kind of. Go yeah, on. I'm sorry. Go on. No, you go. You hey, so I, go it's okay. Everything that you said, I've heard before, and I went to uni a little bit later. So I was kind of like a mature student. And I remember we had like because I did brand management, we did uh, like a, we had a brief for like Adidas. And I went and I found a brand manager who was giving a talk for students. He is literally like based in Germany, came literally for three hours to give that talk in York. So I went to York, found him. Mm -hmm. Obviously, Emily knows this. I'm very persistent. So when this poor guy went on a train back to Manchester Airport, I was like, hey, <laughs> I have questions for you. So I and then what a yeah. And then when I presented yeah. it to my university professor, they said, no, blah, 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 that's wrong. And I was like, what do you mean it's wrong? I said, I asked the brand manager for the brand. <laughs> so they did not like that. I marked me down. And I was like, can, can we swear on the podcast? <laughs> well, yeah, well, I mean, I've done it a million times. <laughs> I think we're, we've done it now. We've crossed the threshold. We're probably all right. Yeah, and then we've not got any kids listening. not amused for all this effort in the real world. I would have been rewarded. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And I think, you know. Oh, I've made some, you know, we all make, I think you all have to make bad decisions, right? Like that's the only way you learn is when you, you mess up and yeah. I've definitely done a lot of them and, but it's made me who I am as a designer today. And I'm definitely more, uh, savvy because of it and I'm more open-minded because of it. And I now know also, you know, if somebody comes to me for advice, I can say, well, I can't tell you what to do, but I can tell you what not to do. Um, yeah. You know, and I think that's it's, that's super valuable, definitely. And you can't make an omelette without breaking a few eggs. But um, oh, so cliche. Yeah. <laughs> he just randomly comes out with these phrases throughout weekend. <laughs> oh, okay. You look so disappointed. I'm so sad. <laughs> that was low. That was. Oh, <laughs> but it was good. It made sense. It was, it was, it was timely. It was, it was contextual. Let's just say that. <laughs> oh, I'm so sad that I said that now. Devastating. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, we probably we probably should round round it off now. I think because it's like nearly 45 minutes. Um, and we don't want to take up your whole evening, Kate. But uh, <laughs> so right, I'm, already, I'm already on the red wine, so we're good. Oh, I was wondering oh. what that was because you were like, I had a lot of experience. You were like, 18 years. And I was like, was that whiskey? So, like, you're like, yeah, <laughs> I thought it was whiskey. I thought maybe it's oh, no. <laughs> no, I just couldn't be asked to get a wine glass. So I was being lazy. Okay, I <laughs> it's fashionable. Years, it's fashion. <laughs> it is, right? Very, it's very European yeah, to be yeah, drinking yeah. it. Like yeah, exactly. They do I that. It's like fashion. Glasses, they became less so since Emily moved in. 
it's that's ridiculous. She's breaking everything, including eggs, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Um, I I haven't broken anything in a while. Um, but I just, I'm just saying. <laughs> anyway, right? Yeah, I should. I'll show end the podcast. Um, thank you. <laughs> no, 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 no. Thank you. Thank you. No, no. What thank you, you for coming on. And. Yeah, it's been a pleasant chat. I've really enjoyed it. And thank you, everyone, for listening. Um, you can find this on Apple Podcasts and Spotify um, and Anchor. So there's a wide selection there. You go, go ham. Go ham for it. Um, and, uh, yeah, catch you next time. Hopefully see you again soon. Special guest, Kate, maybe. Okay. Anytime, guys. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much. This was right. <laughs>